Hello, this is Daniel Poppy, pastor at Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. For the last couple of weeks, we've been focusing on prayer. And Daniel gave wonderful messages on talking to God in prayer, talking with God in prayer, and listening to God in prayer. Today we're going to consider yet another deeper level. What does it mean when we pray at such a deep level we have no words at all? We're going to talk this morning about simply being with God in prayer. It doesn't involve words. It doesn't involve any sort of conversation. You're not asking God questions. You're not expecting God to say things that you need to write down. It's simply the experience of being with God together in those silent moments. Now, how might you understand that? Or maybe you've had experiences like that before, being with someone. Well, I've, I learned that in, in my almost 40 years of marriage, coming up here in a couple weeks, sometimes my wife doesn't want to listen to me. <laughs> that went, that's going on. Sometimes um, she doesn't have anything to say. But sometimes she just wants to be there. And it's kind of a peaceful feeling when you get to the point in your relationship that you're not trying to entertain them. You can just be with them. Perhaps being with someone for you is just sharing that moment, that sometimes speechless moment, where you have a deep bond which does not require um, any sort of effort to maintain. Suppose it's like visiting a grandparent or a favorite aunt and uncle, where you just know when you walk in, they like and accept everything about you. They're not saying, well, someday Bob will get his act together. Now, I've had that experiences with some of my relatives, not all of them. Sometimes our connections to those people are clouded by past experiences, past negative experiences, unresolved issues. We've chosen not to talk about it, but we wish we would. I think to be with God 
at a deep level of prayer requires us to think of him in a different way. He's not some distant power in the universe holding his tongue because he has a few things to say to us. You know, we're, we, just meet, we just missed the mark so many times, but you know, he's just holding back until the right time when he's gonna lay it on us. I don't think that's what we wanna be with God in prayer and experience. I think we wanna be in God in prayer and just realize that he just wants to be with us. He just wants to come around us. If we need it, he wants to hold us. What are those experiences that you have? Or have you had any of those experiences? This morning I want to paint a picture or give you some um, touchstones that uh, are things in our common experience that we might think about to have that experience with God. So being with God in prayer is like being together for a good meal. Now, this meal is just a communion meal, but if you think about those times when you gathered for a big meal, a feast, in fact, in Psalm 23, the writer of the Psalm says, you prepare a table before me. That's just not like a table with a chair. It's a feast, it's a banquet table. So have you ever had that experience where you just were there at the table. Now we, we had um, experiences when I was growing up where um, when I was a certain age, I got to sit at the big people's table. You remember, you remember when you graduated up from the little kids? The little kids five and six, but you were 14. And uh, you pulled up to the table and your knees were at the same level as the table, but they didn't have any places at the big people's table. But then that one year, you got to sit at the big people's table and you didn't want to blow it. And you just sat there and you were so joyful that you were included. You didn't have to talk. You didn't have, you just made sure you didn't try to knock your um, milk over on your, on your cousin next to you who resented the fact that his little cousin had to sit next to him. But I think that's the image of being with God. In fact, Jesus even said something like this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. So it's a picture of being with God around the table, feasting, enjoying, maybe conversing, but eating, smiling, just the presence to know that you and God share something together, share some joyful experiences. Now I think that's what God wants. 
Jesus told a lot of stories about God inviting people to banquets. One of them was um, he wanted to hold a banquet. And this was God as king. And so he invited all the important people of the land and said, hey, I'm going to celebrate. And um, they said, well, a week from Tuesday is just not a bad, it's not a good day for me. It's a bad day. Well, what about a week from Thursday? You know, that's a bad day too. And the invitations were set out and everyone said, RSVP, I'm sorry. And the king said, I am inviting everyone, go out and find people and bring them in. And that's what happened. And so it's, a, it's an invitation to come to God but you see that in this picture of Jesus wanting to eat, it's even more intimate. Jesus comes to your house. He knocks on your door. He's probably bringing the food. And he sits around the table, not to confront you about something, but just to love you. How many times a day do you have a meal? I know intermittent fasting is a big thing now. Um, I hope that doesn't carry over into heaven. Because I think the image of heaven is given in scriptures. A table, feasting, joy. Could it be that God is giving us this experience of eating to remind us that we can experience him now because we're certainly going to experience him like that in the future. So maybe one of the things we could do to have a being with God experience is simply to invite him into our mealtime. According to the Talmud, after each meal, when you have eaten and are full, bless the Lord. The early church father Tertullian says, prayer begins and ends the meal. And so we can conclude as Christians, to eat is to pray. To eat is to pray, I like that. How many times a day do you eat? Two, three? How about snacks? That counts. How about bedtime treats? Scientists have noted that the more meals you eat, if they're small, it's actually healthier for you. David wrote, seven times a day do I praise thee. In the apostolic tradition, one church father instructed Christians to pray seven times a day. What if we had seven small meals a day and consider that our being with God time? What about at breakfast? Second breakfast. Elevensies, lunchtime, afternoon tea, 
supper, dinner. Amen? How about every time you think of a snack, that little quiver of hunger, you say, I invite you into this experience, God. I want to be with you. Being with God in prayer is also like joining with him in song. Now, there's a spiritual link with singing. Singing to God and being with God in prayer are spiritually linked. How do we know that? Well, we know the prayer book of the Bible. What's the prayer book of the Bible? The Psalms. What does the word psalm mean? It means melody or hymn. So we have a book of the Bible, the prayer book of the Bible, which is also a book of singing. Augustine wrote, when you sing, you pray twice. Once when you sing the words, it's a prayer. But the singing itself is a prayer. Think about the time you were with God in singing. And I know we just sang this morning, we sang some beautiful songs. And doesn't that bring us into the presence of God? Now you might say, I just love it when the worship leader starts the singing. It just brings me in. But do you know who really started the singing? Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is among you. He is mighty to save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Can we still our hearts and minds in the quietness of our day and know that the Lord started the day by singing a song about you? A song pouring forth from God's heart, a song about your life, a song of affirmation, a song of affection. Maybe no one has sung a song about you before. I wrote a song about my dog. And called Oh My Molly. And I just have to sing the first line and both of my dogs come running. Because they know that, or, or maybe Molly knows, Pocus, my other dog, probably says, when do I get a song? <laughs> Music has always been a big thing in my home. That's because my mom was uh, one of those super musicians. She 
was our church pianist. She played the organ. She was a music major in college, uh, never graduated because she was called to be a musician at a mission field. She played every instrument in the high school band. And so music was such a really big thing for her. When I was 12, she um, got seriously sick, but we didn't know about it. My, my parents sort of kept that secret. Um, and so she had to go outside of Alaska where we lived for surgery. And that was always the, the sign that something was amiss. Um, I didn't realize that as a kid. Oh, there's, you know, we have to go and have surgery and she has to go to Oregon or Seattle or something. Well, why not? Because the doctors at remote places in Alaska never saw those things before. So she went down there, had a surgery, and then came home and told us about her experience. She was, um, had just finished surgery and she was kind of at the low point and uh, she was laying in bed in some semi-conscious state and she heard the music. And I asked her, well, what was it like? And she said, well, I can't describe it. I can't, I can't tell you. And of course, if she couldn't tell me, and she's a musician, um, then it couldn't be described. She felt transported as the music played, and then she found herself in a garden. And at first she was all alone. It was beautiful, it was green, it was absolutely peaceful. And then her aunt came, her aunt who had been dead for decades. And they talked and the aunt said, Lois, which is my mom's name, it's not time for you yet. You have to go back. And just as the music had carried her there, it carried her back and she awoke. Could it be that music is the language of heaven? Suppose it's the vehicle for transporting us from one place to another. Suppose it's how God shares his feelings with us. We know from scripture, it's not only musical instruments that convey this. It's all of nature. Psalm 150, musical instruments. Psalm, one, six, Psalm 65, the mountains and the hills. Trees, Psalm 69, stars, Psalm, Psalm 148. The heavens are telling without language, without words. The life from God is one great song of praise. All our human music is, is tuning into the universe to the song that God has already started. Let's sing this song this morning. I don't know if you know it. In the morning when I rise, in the morning 
Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. And when I am alone, and when I am alone, and when I am alone, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. And when I come to die, and when I come to die, and when I come to die, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. Finally, being with God in prayer is like building a house. Now you might think, well, just a moment here. That metaphor is a little bit different. Eating is good. Singing is good. Anyone built a house? It's messy. First, the contractors show up and they make a, a huge mess and say, well, this construction project is well on its way. And then three weeks later, they come back and they do step two. First, the, sh the house is just a messy shell, an empty shell, sticks that don't have any particular shape or purpose. It doesn't look like much, but as the workers toil, all of a sudden you look up and say, wow, that's, that's something. Peter said, you are being built into a spiritual house. God is the worker. God is also the foreman. He's the contractor and the architect. He is the builder of the house. He alone. Paul called believers the temple of the Holy Spirit. He likened the community of believers to a construction project being joined together, growing into a holy temple of God. In prayer, we learn with quiet confidence that God is building a place for himself in our hearts and our minds.
He is simply building a place for us to be together. It's not done by painful deconstruction. God's way is not to just rip out the walls and to start over. He simply quietly transforms us. This is accomplished when we look intently in the face of Jesus at God's glory and are transformed. Paul wrote in Colossians, and we who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. And so we see our role in being with God in prayer. Our role is not to talk, not so much even to listen, not to try to have a conversation. Our role in being with God in prayer is simply to look intently at Jesus. What does this mean? Keep our eyes off our trouble. Keep your eyes off of everything except Jesus. Of all the spiritual thoughts that we could think, Focus on what helps us to become the house of prayer. A house of prayer built for the presence of God. Not to look at, but actually for God to inhabit. When we do that, the presence of God will fill us and will spill over outside of us.